the crack of bat on ball. The smell of peanuts and Cracker Jacks. The sound of the crowd as they cheer a home run ball carrying the outfield wall. There's nothing quite like a day at the ballpark. And for the past 30 years, baseball fans have been treated to America's pastime at one of the nation's best ballparks, Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore, Maryland. And as we know at Bart Mallow, from the numerous ballparks we've built since, Oriole Park quite literally changed the way they were built. Defined by exposed steelwork, brick construction, and a historic look, Camden Yards was designed to provide a modern-day experience with that classic feel that made baseball fans fall in love with the game while playing on the sandlots and diamonds growing up. And while there was mixed reaction at the time of its construction, Camden Yards has stood the test of time, frequently being named as one of the best ballparks in America, right up there with the likes of Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, and Dodger Stadium. Utilizing goats to clear vegetation on a steep hillside to save on manpower and ensure safety. We've done that. Watching a world-renowned architect crumple up a piece of paper and tell you that's how they want their building to be designed? We've been there, too. Ever envision a brick-laying robot or material lift unit assisting laborers with building? No, it's not something out of the Terminator. We've done that on our projects. Every project has a great story. With over 3,000 team members and nearly 100 years of experience in the construction industry, we at Barton Mallow have more than a few to tell that don't fit the usual industry coverage. I'm Eric Fish. And I'm Rob Riley. And we're both Barton Mallow team members and the hosts of this podcast. And we're going to be bringing you the untold stories from the job site. The weird, the wild, and the unconventional paths to success. It's construction, but it's said differently. As the former vice president of planning and development for the Orioles, Janet Marie Smith was one of the faces of the new ballpark. Her first job in baseball, Janet Marie spent two different stints with the Orioles and has also worked in the same role for the Red Sox and Braves. She's worked as the executive vice president of planning and development for the Los Angeles Dodgers since 2012. And as we found out shortly after chatting with her, she's got the World Series hardware to prove it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Janet. Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Hey, thanks a lot, Janet, for taking some time to uh, talk with us and kind of go all over the place between, you know, Camden and all these other ballparks and stuff like that. So we really appreciate sure. it. Can you talk a little bit, Janet, about your background before you got into the world of baseball? I had worked on large public private building developments at Battery Park City in New York and the redevelopment of Pershing Square in downtown Los Angeles and was really interested in how cities grow and change and the, uh, the role that one can play sort of a, almost like a, a public developer, you know, how do you put together a design team? How do you manage all the community interests? How do you, how do you build something that really can change a city? And Baltimore was a city I'd always admired. I had studied at urban planning school and it's well known for having reinvented itself when the industry all moved out uh, to much bigger uh, peers and deeper waters and Baltimore, instead of waiting around for something to happen, just took the bull by the horn and built the Inner Harbor and the Jim Rouse Festival Marketplace Pavilions and did a science center, an aquarium, a convention center, hotels. So Camden Yards was just part of this whole script of Baltimore reinventing itself. And as a baseball fan, I knew they were building a new stadium. And somewhere along the way, I just put two and two together in my head. I thought, wow, that would be a fantastic opportunity to bring 
3 million people into downtown Baltimore every year and continue to grow this city center. Uh, so I wrote Larry Lucchino, who was then the uh, the president of the Orioles, and the rest is history, so they say. You just outlined all that awesome stuff that was going on in Baltimore, you know, and then there's like just this one last thing, right, that they need to get people into that downtown area and start really revitalizing it. Well, I think you're still adding things, which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cities never stop growing and changing. And I think baseball parks are um, a big part of that. And it was, you know, baseball started out as an urban sport and it sort of lost that feeling during the multi-purpose stadium era. Often those big parks like Riverfront or Three Rivers or Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, they were in the city, yeah, but they weren't of the city. You know, they kind of just existed there. I mean, what was amazing to me was that after Camden Yards opened, you had cities from Cleveland to Cincinnati to San Diego to San Francisco kind of following that model and um, not, not, you know, not just from a baseball perspective, but just in terms of using sports as a strategy for bringing people into the city and really changing the way we think of a downtown as being a civic space. Yeah. I mean, look at the story of downtown Detroit right now, right? I mean, I think that's a prime example. I mean, we had the Tigers, a sta- you know, Tigers have always been downtown, like historically, right? They were in Corktown neighborhood at Old yep. Tiger Stadium and then they built Comerica Park. But, you know, the Red Wings were, you know, painful, a painful distance still in downtown. But then, you know, we ended up bringing the Pistons downtown and then they brought the Lions downtown and all that just happened within the matter of the last 10 years or so to really kind of get this driving, thriving downtown development. So... No, it's it's really cool to to see that happen. And like you said, sports are that that factor, right? Yeah, they really are. And I think we underestimate sometimes how much they do bring us together, both, you know, physically and just, you know, the the idea that it's a it's a language that we can all speak. <laughs> and um, I think that's one of the things that makes it um, so special to be a part of the city that way. One of our first questions that we had sent over to you, you know, what, you know, what was the driving factor for the open air design when things were trending in that, in that multi-purpose, you know, concrete dome style? Well, there was a mm-hmm. lot of thought put into how this building through its architecture could tell a story that made it feel like it belonged in Baltimore, it belonged to the Orioles, that when a fan arrived there and, you know, April of 1992 that it instantly felt like home. And our graphic designer, David Ashton, uh, worked really closely with the design team to bring those things to life. That's interesting. And those are things that couldn't happen in a multi-purpose building. You know, sometimes we blame the round cookie cutter building for too many things, but like you can't expect a building that's home to, uh, to baseball and football and uh, numerous other civic events to celebrate its, team and the way that Camden Yards was able to celebrate being home of the Orioles. So let's talk about construction for a moment while the project was being built. Is there anything that you can recall that that kind of stuck out to you? Any challenges, any unique stories or anything from the construction? Well, I would say that the fact that we were building on a site that had clearance issues before we started was probably a plus because I think it gave us time to think. Um, you know, on the one hand, it was a breakneck speed project and there was no missing opening day. On the other hand, there was enough time built in uh, to take down uh, the buildings that were built in the 40s that were on the site previously. And so there was probably some six, 
to nine months and our schedule that would not have been in a traditional greenfield schedule. And that was a real plus because I think that extra time to think and make good choices made a difference. And Fort Mallow worked really closely with HOK and the their engineers to help us make good choices about materials based both on the aesthetics, but also on constructability. Can you take us back to, I guess, the, the front office reaction, the player reaction, the, the community fan reaction when, when this park was going up and I guess after it was finished and ready for opening day? There was certainly a lot of controversy early on around building an old-fashioned ballpark with new money. You know, there were certain mm-hmm. legislatures and pundits at the newspaper that questioned whether or not that was the smart move and whether or not it would stand the test of time. And I confess to being worried about that myself. You wondered, like, how, how do we know this is going to stand the test of time? And you, you don't really know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think one thing that gave us a lot of confidence was that Frank Robinson, our manager, had played in these older parks and he could speak with credibility to the irregular playing field, the small amount of foul territory, the proximity of fans to the field, and what that, the positives that that brought from a player perspective and from a baseball perspective. And I think that was huge, not just hugely important in terms of its influence on Camden Yards, but hugely important, important in terms of the credibility it brought to the project. I love that line. You're building um, an old fashioned ballpark with new money. Right. And so that probably, like you said, just scared the hell out of some people. And, you know, you weren't sure what that reaction was going to be. And I don't know. I just think that's awesome. I I never considered that. Oriole fans had only known Memorial Stadium, which had started out its life as football. So there was a learning curve among, you know, a huge amount of our, our, uh, our audience, our our community and all of that really mattered. You know, the input came from a lot of places and an awful lot of places. To your question of, you know, success, I think when it, when it opened on, you know, uh, in, you know, April, the, I think it was the 6th, I can't really remember, uh, April 6, 1992, I think it was just feel, this feeling of just relief to see, even though we'd had exhibition games there, to see one was in the books. You know, I think as Larry Lucchino has often said, we were looking to do something really special for Baltimore. And the fact that it spawned uh, an American rethinking of cities and baseball was a total surprise, I think, to all of us. Your role with the Dodgers now, you've been with them for some time now. Did did you get a World Series ring a couple of years ago? Sure did. All right. Excellent stuff. Yeah. And were you with the Red Sox when, when they were winning those championships? I was. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was working for the Braves when they won in 96. So it's, um, yeah, that's a jewelry collection. I was going to say, your hand's getting heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thank you to Janet Marie for taking some time to chat with us today. Our next guest is Barton Mallow Vice President Len Moser. After graduating from Penn State University, Len gravitated to the Washington, D.C. area, where construction was booming 30-plus years ago. He was hired by Barton Mallow, and his first project was none other than Camden Yards. No pressure, right? Since working on Camden Yards, Len has become one of Barton Mallow's go-to builders in the sports market. His notable baseball resume includes each of the most recent Atlanta Braves developments, the old Turner Park and the newer Truist Park, and early work on PNC Park in Pittsburgh. 
He's also built many minor league, college, and spring training facilities, including Atrium Health Ballpark in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Segra Park in Columbia, South Carolina, and Publix Field at Joker Marchant Stadium, the Lakeland, Florida spring training home of the Detroit Tigers. Rob. Hey, Len. How are you, man? Man, I'm so good. I'm sitting here in my <laughs> little kitchen office slash office and uh, sunshine. And so, yeah, it's all good. I'm ready to roll. All right, cool. Hey, Len, thanks for joining us this morning. As far as I've known you, you've always been plugged into the sports market. Has it always been that case or have you, you know, bounced around a little bit? Predominantly in sports. I mean, that was, you know, right out of college, I was fortunate enough to be involved on the uh, Orioles project in Baltimore. But, uh, and over the years have, have dabbled, if you will, in some other project types, K-12, higher, you know, a lot of higher ed, sports and higher ed. Certainly my passion has been with sports construction and uh, spent most of my career uh, focused on sports with Martin Mallow. So, I mean, that's a huge project though, coming right out of Penn State, right? And did you grow up on the East Coast or did you grow up down Southland? Where, where are you originally from? Yeah, so I grew up in Pittsburgh and ended up going to Penn State um, really because of a, a good friend of mine that was a couple of years ahead of me. He was there. Uh, he said, hey, try, you know, look at this construction program, architectural engineering program. And uh, and uh, it turned out to be a great fit. Uh, and when I was coming out of college and, and in the late 80s, it was the economy was 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 slowed at that point. And there wasn't a lot of construction going on. In Pennsylvania, certainly in Pittsburgh, uh, a lot of the work and a lot of the opportunities were in the Baltimore, Washington kind of metro area. A lot of my friends and, and, and others that were a year or two ahead of me were going to that Washington market. So can you talk a little bit about, so you, so you get placed on, you know, Oriole Stadium, you go through the interview process, you're hired and they're say, they tell you, hey, you're going, you're going to go help build this new Baltimore Orioles ballpark, right? I mean, that's a little intimidating. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was definitely exciting to hear about the project. I, of course, had no idea. I just, you know, my goal was to get to D.C., you know, and Baltimore. Get a job, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get a job. And, you know, Baltimore wasn't necessarily top of the list, if you will, right? If you're mm-hmm. comparing Washington, D.C. and the capital to Baltimore, but but yeah, when it was like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're building a new stadium for the Orioles. Of course, my ears and eyes perked up, um, tried to play baseball in college. Wasn't, wasn't quite, didn't quite hit my growth spurt yet. So it didn't, didn't go too far, but, um, was always a, a sports fan, baseball fan. So, um, yeah, very exciting to, uh, have that opportunity. So from talking to Janet, we understand that there was, you know, even a little bit of hesitation from the community about this new development and sort of the intentions that they had for it. Was that talked about on on the site? Was was there any sort of intimidation about being on a project like this, noting that? I think it was certainly, you know, literally groundbreaking, right? So the location of it, at that point, it was the edge of the Baltimore city proper, kind of getting into the neighborhoods. So I think there was the whole concern about the neighborhood uh, in position that this facility was going to have. And, you know, I, th- I think that's, you know, certainly has changed since then. I mean, it's, it's really been a catalyst for the growth of the community, but yeah, certainly there was a lot of pushback just because it was an unknown, I think from the community development side of things. And also the, 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 the size of the undertaking at that time, it was a, you know, hundred million dollar project. And at that time, and, you know, in the late eighties, it was, uh, you know, 1990, I think 89, we broke ground. Um, that was a significant amount of money that the state and the city of Baltimore were investing. So it was, yeah, I think there was a lot of uncertainty, but obviously changed the whole, you know, the whole makeup of downtown Baltimore. So can you talk a little bit about how Barton Mallow worked with the Orioles and with Populous? Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, about that partnership? You know, I think 
everybody was really focused. I remember um, good communication. Of course, I was a young engineer, so maybe I wasn't seeing all the difficult conversations. But I think from a field perspective, you know, everybody was excited about the project, excited to work on the project. You know, you kind of you didn't know exactly that you were in this kind of literally a game changer of a project from for the for you know for our business and for baseball. Um, and we've we you know we've set up a great relationship with with Populous that's lasted you know it's, I mean it's very much flourished over the years, done billions and billions of dollars of projects since then, and I think that relationship is 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 as tight as it can be. Did you bring over? any of your lessons learned from the Orioles, because I feel like that PNC park, you know, models that stadium in some ways, right. It's definitely its own unique thing, but like, was there anything that you brought over maybe from the Baltimore, from the Orioles stadium into PNC during pre-construction and other things, maybe that you referenced back and forth or, or what was that like? So course field was in, you know, course field was on the heels of, um, of Oriole park. Okay. Uh, Coors was next. Okay. Coors was next, and then I think PN, I don't know if PNC was next, or maybe there was I'm trying to remember if there was something in between. You know, there was just so much involved in the shapes of these buildings. You know, th- that required a lot of additional input, a lot of additional planning. And I think at that point, too, populous the architect, you because know, there's architect from Oriole Park as well. So there was a lot of a uh, lot of synergy already in place, a lot of relationships. We kind of knew what was coming um, in terms of their details. And so it went a lot, you know, more smoothly uh, there in, in Pittsburgh, I think, than it, you know, that we had to overcome in, in Baltimore. What what other ballparks that were you involved with besides the ones that we've talked about? Were you involved with Kannapolis and, and some of the other ones down south that we've done? I was. I've been involved. You know, we had a really good run of, you know, obviously been involved in a lot of the major league ballparks like Oro Park, PNC, Coors Field, um, Minute Maid for the, uh, for the Astros. But we had a really great run of, and, and still have, um, of on the uh, on a minor league ballparks, the uh, single A, double A, triple A ballparks, uh, and that started actually in, in around 2000 in, in Louisville, Kentucky. We were fortunate to get selected there to build Louisville's um, Slugger Field, and um, that really started our pretty much, I'd say, a dominance, if you will, in uh, in these minor league ballparks. We were we were building one. Uh, I remember there was a streak probably in, uh, 2000, we finished with the Gwinnett Braves in 09. We opened the ballpark in 2012, 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, just, just on a really awesome run, but, uh, including Kannapolis, uh, which was a, was a huge, not only a great project, but a huge transformation to the city, to the town, literally, I mean, literally rebuilding the town around the ballpark. You know, Jacksonville, 2002, I think we opened Jacksonville. That was a, a change of that whole sports complex in Jacksonville next to the new arena that was built at the same time. These minor league parks were as, as much a catalyst as well as the, as the major leagues for these downtowns to, uh, to build around and to develop. What do you think it is that makes us, you know, the, the, the builder of choice for these massive stadiums, Len? Well, I think, you know, certainly, you know, a lot of our business is about timing. So certainly being involved in one of these, in a project like Oreo Park, having that connectivity, having that success of that, having that story to tell is huge. You, uh, we've developed because of that kind of pre-con, that planning, that problem solving, that geometry, um, focus, you know, on that and, so, and solutions. 
I think that's what owners look at. And we get that feedback a lot that, that owners like our pre-construction, like our collaboration, um, that we can, you know, get to um, bring them solutions, not just problems, give them really accurate, you know, numbers in terms of cost data early on um, because we've got that history. So I think all those things contribute to just, you know, our success and um, being, you know, being a leader in our business of, of sports construction. From Cal Ripken Jr. breaking the consecutive games played record to become baseball's new Ironman, to the 1993 All-Star Game, to Eddie Murray's 500th home run, to even a visit from Pope John Paul II for Mass in 1995, Camden Yards has served as the perfect venue for the past 30 years. And the ballpark that forever changed baseball isn't done playing host to memories and milestones anytime soon. Unlike so many other ballparks that are now destined for the wrecking ball after only a few decades of operation, Oriole Park at Camden Yards is well-suited to stand the test of time and further ingrain itself in baseball lore. That's all for this episode of Said Differently. We'll be back soon for more stories from the job site. This is Said Differently, a Bart Mallow podcast. For more information on Oriole Park at Camden Yards, visit mlb.com backslash Orioles. To view more sports projects that Barton Mallow has built, visit bartonmallow.com backslash markets backslash sports. This is Said Differently, a Bart Mallow podcast.